Well, there's something very dark and very difficult, not just the lights, that we all must face in this life. Uh, Even for people that we would say are the best Christians who ever lived, they have to face this as well. And this thing that we're all required to face is found in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23 is probably the most famous, most familiar chapter in all of the Bible. And in it, we see that all of us, at some point, not only do we die, but we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're new here. My name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here. I don't always start off with such encouraging words. Today we're talking about death. Welcome to church. Aren't you glad you're here? Uh, I promise I will get to some encouraging things here in a little bit. Uh, For everyone who is here, whether you're right here in the room, maybe you're on video in the building somewhere or watching us later online, I am so glad that all of you are with us today. You may not be glad you're here now that you know what we're talking about, but I am glad that you are here. As I said, we're in this series called Who is Jesus? This is week number three. If you've missed one of the messages, don't worry. I'd encourage you to jump online, elementchurchwy.com, catch up on video, download the podcast, listen to that as well. For a quick recap, here's where we've been. On Easter Sunday, we talked about how Jesus is not just a shepherd, he is our good shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23, 1, King David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Then last week we saw that because he is good, he is also our guide, that Jesus is a guiding shepherd. Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3 says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He restores or renews my strength. He guides me in right paths, bringing honor to his name. And that leads us then to today, the third characteristic of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is our guarding shepherd. That he is our guarding shepherd. And I know with that one statement about Jesus, I'm already probably receiving at least some pushback in the room. Because you might be thinking, wait a minute, did you say a guarding shepherd? Because that's not what he did for me. Like, like I, I, I begged God to protect me or my spouse or my child or my parent or my friend. I begged God to protect someone I love or protect me, and he didn't do it. So I'm going to struggle with believing that Jesus is our guarding shepherd. And the reality is for a lot of people, that right there is the main reason they don't believe in God or they don't trust Jesus. And at some level, I get it. I understand that I do. I know that represented in this room are people who are going through right now or have gone through in the past the worst possible of pain and problems in this life. And, and, and you have asked God to protect you and he has not come through on your behalf. So if that's you, if you're here today and you don't believe in God or you're angry at God or you've walked away from God because he didn't protect you the way that you thought that he should. I I hope you know this, that God's not angry at you. In fact, God loves you with an everlasting love. And his ultimate desire is to be in relationship with you. And whether you ever choose to be in that relationship, because make no mistake about it, it is your choice to be in relationship with God or not. And that is an eternal choice that we have 
to make. But whether you ever make that choice, God's love for you and our love for you here at Element will not change based on what you believe about God in your life. I do believe, however, that for a lot of us, even those of us who follow Jesus, we often view his protection the wrong way. And so I was reminded of a, of, a, of a humorous story in my life. I feel like we need to laugh a little bit after that start. And so uh, if you remember this story, I've shared it before. If you remember, I apologize. I couldn't get this story off my mind as I was planning this message. I must have been in the second or third grade at the time. I came down with a case of, of strep throat. And so my mom did what any good mom would do. She's in the service today, so i got to be honest in the story. But my mom did what any good mom would do. Uh, she made a, a, an appointment for the doctor's office, and in the process, she told me, you're probably going to have to get a shot. Now, when I heard the word shot, I was done. I was overwhelmed with fear, not really fears of, of shots or a needle, but for some reason, I don't know why, I was terrified that I would have to get a shot in my butt. And so I, I started crying to my mom, 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 I don't want to get a shot in my, in my bottom, mom. What if they give me a shot in my bottom? And my mom, as clearly, as calmly as she could, she said, Jeffrey, that's what she says when she's angry at me or wants me to pay attention, she said, Jeffrey, they don't give shots in the bottom for that. In storytelling, that's called foreshadowing. Because we went to the doctor, they indeed confirmed I had strep throat, the nurse said you're going to have to get a shot, which I was fine with at this point, because I knew my mom told me it would not be in the butt, I could handle anything, so I'm preparing my arm for the pain, the nurse gets her supplies, she turns around and she says, alright Mr. Manis, you're going to have to drop your drawers, this one's going in your butt. So my eyes must have been as big as saucers. I looked at my mom with this look of horror and disgust and abandonment, this look of how could you, mom? I thought that she was going to rise up and protect her favorite child. <laughs> you know what my mom did in that moment? She shrugged. She did this. <laughs> and let me get the shot. I've been bitter about it ever since. So now when my kids go to the doctor, just to be safe, I tell them, you're probably getting a shot in your butt. Just get prepared. I don't want you going through the pain that I went through. So, so what does my butt have to do with this, this subject today? Well, as I was thinking about today's subject and today's story, I was, I was reminded of that and just thought, man, that, that relates so well, I think, to the idea of Jesus as our guarding shepherd. And here's why. In that, in that moment... My mom was much more concerned with protecting what was on the inside of me long-term than protecting what was happening to me in the moment. And I think we're going to see that same thing in Jesus as well. I hope we will. And I hope we'll be encouraged and inspired even by how Jesus guards us. He is a good shepherd. He's a guiding shepherd. And he is our guarding shepherd. Shepherd, but we've got to understand something about how Jesus guards us, okay? It's the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down, and it's this. Jesus doesn't guard me from all pain and problems. He guards me from their power over me. He is a guard, but he does not guard me from all pain and problems. He guards me from their power over me, from being overwhelmed by them in my Life. Listen, I don't understand the sovereignty of God. I, I don't know why sometimes it seems as if Jesus is right there to save the day, and other times it seems like he is a million miles away. I don't know. 
I've said this before, that as a pastor, it is one of the hardest parts of ministry, not knowing the answer to the question for people, why didn't Jesus do something? Or why did Jesus allow that to happen? And I don't have an answer for that. All I know is this, that if we expect Jesus to, to protect us from all pain and problems, we are going to be continually disappointed in Jesus. Because even Jesus himself, God in the flesh, was not protected from pain and problems. On more than one occasion, we, we know that Jesus wept over his own grief from things that were happening in his life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he fell to the ground in agony on the night he was arrested and begged the Father for any other way except the cross. Then on the cross, bleeding out his life for ours, he said to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even Jesus himself had to endure pain and problems, but he was not overcome by them. And we don't have to be either. We don't have to be overcome by pain and problems. Jesus doesn't guard me from all pain and problems. He never promised that. He guards me from their power over me. So if that's the case, I want to know the answer to this big question here. What does Jesus do to guard me? If he does guard, what does he do to guard me? The main scripture today, if you can handle it, is a whopping one verse. Okay, so I don't think you can handle that. Psalm 23, verse 4. One verse today is our main scripture. I would love for you still to turn there in your Bible. If you got it, if you didn't bring a Bible, it will be on uh, the screens there. And then if you don't own a Bible, uh, the Bible has more than one verse in it. There's lots of verses. We're just looking at one today. And we'd love for you to have a Bible with all of the verses. And so if you don't own one, ask for one at guest services. We'll get you one free of charge. We are going to kind of break down the verse in sections. So we're going to break it down, break it down uh, into some sections. And here we go. Psalm 23, jumping right in the first part of verse 4, says this. Even when, help me out and say when. When. Notice, not if, but when. That you either have already, you are now, or you will in the future walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So even when I walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for. Which means there's some reasons coming why we don't have to be afraid. That phrase, I will not be afraid, according to one theologian I read, means I will not give way to my fears. So it doesn't mean there's nothing in life to be afraid of. It means even in fearful situations, we will not be overcome by fear. Sounds a lot like the song we sang earlier, that we will not be moved, though the earth gives way. For the risen one, our good, our guiding, our guarding shepherd, he has overcome. So even though I walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for, and here's the first reason why, you are close beside me, God. You're close beside me. And can I just pause for a moment and say a quick prayer over our room? That God, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, that those who feel like you have left them, may they feel your presence today. 
May they know that you are with them. You are right beside them, even in the darkest valley. Lord, I pray for your manifest presence in this room, in this moment, for those who need it right now. So what does Jesus do to guard me? Number one is this. He gives me his presence. And church, we could stop right there. Unlucky for you, we're not. But we could stop right there, and that would be enough. He's with me in the valley. I know we often use this, this name of Jesus only at Christmas time, and Christmas is still 254 days away, so start making your plans. But one of the names, one of the names that was prophesied about Jesus that we use at Christmas is he will be called Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. It's one of the promises that we can stand on. We actually sang it. Standing on your promises, take us where your presence is. That even in the depths of the darkest valley of the shadow of death, his presence is there with us. That church, he is Emmanuel every day, not just on Christmas Day. He is with us in the valley. But think about that. It gets real, real quick. That if Jesus is our guiding shepherd, and he's with us in the darkest valley, that means he either led me there, or at the very least, he allowed me to go there. Let that sink in for a second. That Jesus, at times, will lead us into the darkest valley of the shadow of death which sounds contradictory and confusing, right? So as I said, I don't understand this guiding part of Jesus. I don't understand his sovereignty. I don't know why we have to go through things like we talked about last week, seasons of breaking. I don't know why we go through seasons of breaking. All I know is in every season of breaking, he's trying to form a bond with us that cannot be broken. That Jesus will never lead you to what his love cannot see you through. That if he leads you to it, he will carry you through it. But sometimes he leads us there. So, so maybe this will help. Uh, here, here's a picture I took that I want to talk through for a moment. I took this picture in Israel on our tour of the Holy Land this, Holy Land this last summer. It's a picture of the Judean wilderness. So on the picture, to the right of the picture, uh, a few miles is Jericho, the same Jericho where the walls fell down and all the peas died, if you're a VeggieTales fan. On the left side, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? On the left side uh, of the picture, if you keep on going several miles, is Jerusalem. This is the Judean wilderness. David would have been very familiar with this area because this is where David and other shepherds tended their flocks. Okay? There's even still shepherds today. Modern-day shepherds, really, they actually live in huts and whatnot. They have nothing, but they, they shepherd their flocks in, in, those, in those hills. So here's, a, here's a, a close-up of a section of that picture. So the same picture, just close-up. Right there in the center of the picture, you'll see there's a shadow, and then that canyon or valley going through there. Guess what that's actually called? It's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It's real. There in Israel. And in that valley, the sun never touches the bottom. It's dark all the time. It's always in the dark. And because it's in the dark, moisture does not dry up quickly, so it's, it's 
makes for treacherous travel because the footing is, is unsure, it's slick. It's, it's dark, so you can't always see the edge of the trails that you're on, so you can make a wrong turn into a sudden, sudden disaster. A shepherd, oftentimes, they would have to, to lead their sheep into and through that valley in order to avoid thieves and robbers and predators that were up on the hills trying to get them. At other times, thieves, robbers, and predators, they would drive the flock into the valley, hoping to overwhelm them, so the shepherd would have to lead them out of the valley through it to get away from the predators that drove them in there in the first place. This blew my mind, that in certain seasons, the best pastures were up high on the hills. So in order to get from the low ground where they were to the high ground where the best pastures were, the shepherd had to lead his flock through the valley of the shadow of death to get them to the place where they would be most alive. That's the Bible coming to life right before our very eyes. That your shepherd... He may have led you into the valley, but he will also see you through. That even when I walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I will not give way to my fear, for my guarding shepherd is with me. He gives me his presence. Albert Barnes, theologian, said in his commentary these words on the screen, the true friend of God has nothing to fear in that dark valley. His great shepherd will accompany him there and lead him safely through however dark it may appear. In that dark and gloomy valley, though I could not guide myself, I will not be alarmed. I will not be afraid of wandering or of being lost. I will not fear any enemies there, for my shepherd is there to guide me still. Isn't that good? Listen, I don't know what you are going through today. I don't know what dark valleys you have faced, are facing, or will be required to face in your life. All I know is this. For those who believe in the good shepherd, for those who follow the guiding shepherd, they will be protected by the guarding shepherd. That though the earth give way, we will not fear. Why? Because he gives me his presence in the darkest valley. Jesus does not guard me from all pain and problems. He guards me from their power over me. So what does Jesus do to guard me? Well, he gives me his presence. Number two is this. He gives me his power. He gives me his power. It gets better as we go, by the way. Psalm 23, last part of verse 4 says this. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The shepherd in this day always had two instruments with him at all times. He always had a rod and he always had a staff. The rod was a four to six foot piece of wood. Looked more like a club, really. The staff is what we usually equate to a shepherd. It was tall, slender, had a crook on the end of it. Each instrument had its own specific purposes. So let's talk about the staff first. The staff used by a shepherd was for correction and for protection. So if a, if a sheep was kind of scurrying away, wandering away, he could use the hook and grab the hind leg or legs, literally hook the back legs, and kind of jerk it back onto the right path. If a, shepherd, if, a, if a sheep was in trouble, say caught in a thicket or even in water or mud and couldn't get out, the hook could go around the neck and literally pull the sheep 
for safety. The shepherd would use his staff to literally pull fearful or timid sheep up next to his side where they felt more safe. If a sheep or a shepherd would use his staff also to uh, gather sheep, knowing that sheep were most vulnerable, knowing that sheep were most vulnerable when they were alone, the shepherd would use his staff and he would gather sheep into groups for their protection. Gather them in groups for their protection. That means after service today, if you are not in a group, you should go right to the group's table and sign up for one. Why? Because we are not meant to do life alone. That as the sheep of our shepherd, when we are alone, we are most vulnerable to the enemy. And so the shepherd uses his staff. Pastor Jeff, Pastor Andy, Pastor Steve, his staff. To guide them into groups for their protection. That's unreal. Unbelievable. He would also also use his staff to nudge sheep when they needed to go through a narrow gate or on a narrow way. Hello. Does that sound familiar? He never hit them with it. He would nudge them. So if they were coming to a narrow gate and wanted them to go through, he would just nudge them through, letting them know it's safe to go through the narrow gate. It's amazing. That's the staff. The rod. The rod was the main weapon of defense for a shepherd. That when predators or thieves or robbers would attack, he would literally beat them away with the rod. It was a symbol of his authority, his power, his strength. In fact, in this culture that this was written in, the right hand was considered the hand of power and authority. So literally, the shepherd's rod was considered an extension of of his powerful, victorious right hand. Some of you know where I'm going already. This makes other verses like Isaiah 41.10 even more amazing than they already are. Isaiah 41.10 is probably my favorite verse. It says this, Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. There's the presence of God. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That the rod in the right hand of the shepherd, it was a symbol of his authority, his strength, his power, his victory over every situation for those sheep. And the the rod in the right hand of our shepherd is a symbol of his authority, his power, his strength, his victory over every situation in your life. Not always to change it. Most often to see you through, giving you the power to see you through. That Jesus doesn't guard me from all pain and problems. He guards me from their power over me. So what does he do to guard me? He gives me his presence. He gives me his power. And the last one is this. He gives me his peace. Gives me his peace. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. Psalm 23, 4 says. Protect and comfort me. So that means it calms my spirit. It centers my soul. It gives me peace. The most powerful part about the rod that I learned was not its power. It was actually its comfort. That the rod was not just a weapon. The rod was used to welcome sheep and comfort them 
as well. That a good shepherd always knew how many sheep he had and which sheep were his. We talked about this a little bit on Easter Sunday. That when he gathered them in the pen at night, when he gathered them in the, in the field at night, he would count them to make sure they were all there. And so the way he counted was the sheep would pass under his rod. He would count them, making sure he had all of his sheep and that all the sheep were his. But he did something else with the rod that blew me away. Blew me away. That because a sheep's wool is so thick and so long, it was hard for a shepherd to see just by looking at the sheep if it needed to be cleaned or not, if it was unclean or clean. It was hard to see down to the skin to know if there was diseases or wounds or sores or scars. So as the, sheep was, as the shepherd was counting them, the sheep would come under the rod. He would press the rod down on the wool. The wool would then open up as it walked through. And if a sheep needed to be cleaned, he'd clean it. If a wound needed mended, he would mend it. If a sore or a scar needed soothed, he would soothe it. So the rod of the shepherd was not just meant to beat sheep enemies away. It was meant to bind up the broken, to clean the unclean, to mend the wounded, to soothe the sores and scars of the sheep. Maybe even the same sores and scars and wounds those sheep received while they were faithfully following their shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. That Jesus, your guiding shepherd, when you walk through the darkest valley, not only is he, your, the, is he a shepherd that's with you, not only does, does his rod and staff protect you, but he is there with you with rod to restore you as well. To clean you up when you're dirty. To mend you when you're broken. To soothe your sores and scars. That Jesus doesn't guard me from all pain and problems. He guards me from the presence over me that he's with me as I walk through them. Listen, he's with me as I recover from them. He gives me his presence. He gives me his power. He gives me his peace. I've got a feeling today there's some people in this room that you are today in life's darkest valley. And you need to be reminded of God's presence with you. You need reminded of his power for you. You need reminded of his peace in you. So I don't always do this, but today I'm gonna. If that's you, and you are walking through life's darkest valley, whatever that is, I wanna pray for you specifically. And I want you to stand up to receive prayer, if that's you. If you're here, you're walking through life's darkest, but stand up right where you are. Got folks standing up right now, don't be afraid. Still time. If you're near someone who's standing, you don't have to do this, but if you're comfortable, 
There's something powerful we're told to, to lay hands on people when we pray. And so if you're close to them and you are comfortable, would you just place a hand on somebody who's close to you or just extend your hand out towards them? And let's pray for these who are standing. God, right now, in Jesus' name, we ask for your presence. Lord, remind these dear souls that you are with them. God, would you silence the enemy in the name of Jesus? He's so quick to tell us that you're not there. So, Lord, silence him and speak to their hearts. Let them know you are right there with them. Lord, we ask for your power in their lives, whatever they are going through. I don't know what it is, but you know them intimately by name and situation. So, Lord, whatever they're going through, I pray for your power to be in them right now. Protect them. Care for them. And, Lord, I pray for your peace. As they are passing under your rod right now, I pray that you would give them exactly what they need. Where they are dirty, clean them up. Where they're broken, mend them. Where they're sores and scars, would you soothe them, God? You are a God who cares and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> I want to go back to this rod for a second. There's a parable Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15, I believe it is. I'll never read or see this parable the same way again for my life. Most of you are probably familiar with it. Jesus gives this parable and says, if a shepherd has 100 sheep and 99 are lost, won't he leave the 99? Meaning, he's counted all of his sheep, one, two, three, all the way to 99. And he realizes there's one that's lost. It's not here. Jesus said, won't the shepherd leave the 99 and go out and search for and find the one that's lost? And when he finds it, won't he put the sheep on his shoulders and bring it back rejoicing for that sheep was lost, but now it's found. I won't view that story the same. It's what he did for me. <laughs> Sought me out, found me. And that means if you're here today and you do not believe in Jesus. You've never put your faith in him. I'm not meaning this in a negative way at all. It means you are a lost sheep. You're not in the family of God by faith. But the fact that you are in this room today listening to these words of my voice means Jesus has gone and found you. And he's brought you to this moment on this day possibly for this reason that you put your faith in him. So if that's you, you are a lost sheep. Take solace first in Jesus has sought you out. And he will not force you to come home, but he will offer it to you by faith. Make no mistake about it, that Jesus, he came as one of us, he died because of us, he rose victorious so that any one of us could put our faith in him, be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, and eternal life with him forever in heaven. The cost is faith. Gotta believe. So if you want to put your faith in Jesus today, I know there's some people here that need to do that. If you want to come home to Jesus. I want you to say this prayer with me. Just say it silently in your heart. You're going to be talking to God. He hears you. Father in heaven, I believe 
in Jesus. I don't understand it. I don't know why you died for me, but I believe. And thank you for seeking me out in this moment. Jesus, I believe in you. Would you forgive me of my sins, wash me clean and make me new? Please come into my heart, live in me. Give me strength to follow you. Help me turn, repent from my old life. I'll follow you in my new life. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. As best that I can, by your help, I'll love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. There's lots of us here in this room. We've prayed a similar prayer in our life, and we were brought home to the family of God through Jesus. So I want you to know it's a safe place here. You're with family now. But if you did pray that prayer, there's something very powerful about acknowledging that publicly. I'd love to know about it. So if you just ask Jesus into your heart, would you just simply just raise your hand, leave it up, just say, yep, that's me until I catch your eye. I just ask Jesus into my heart. Praise God back here. Anybody else? Raise your hand right there. Praise God. Welcome. Welcome to the family. Welcome. Welcome back there. Amen. Anybody else? Right there in the back. Welcome. 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 Awesome. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's one of the hardest ones you'll ever live. We want to help you in that. So we wrote a, a devotional for you called 21. It will get you taking your next steps in Jesus. If you please stop by guest services, they're free. Ask for a next steps devotional, and we'll get you one free of charge. Also, if you would, just mark on your connection card that you put your faith in Jesus. You can drop it off at guest services. And uh, we just want to help you and celebrate with you uh, in that. I know I've already prayed a couple of times, um, but if you let me pray one more time to close out, and then just remain seated, remain still. Got a few closing remarks for us. God, thank you so much. God, you, you care, and that just blows me away. You don't have to care about us. We have treated you so poorly, and yet you are a God who cares. Help us not forget that. As we come under your rod, I pray, Lord, that we would be soothed in our wounds, that we'd have your presence, we'd have your power, we'd have your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're new, we'd love for you to stop by that living room before you go. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, please stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. There's a prayer team there that will pray for you. And then, as always, if you came prepared to give, use those giving boxes on your way out. Next week is the last week of the series. I'm so excited for that one as well. I'm going to share some new stuff that I was able to learn as well. And we're going to take communion together next week. I love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.